Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. There's a line in that hymn that fits with our sermon this morning. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. And it will fit really well with what we're studying in Romans and how we look at our Christian life and what we're supposed to do as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just come to you as we open up your word and ask that you continue to speak to us as we study Romans this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'd shape us and mold us to look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the 15th chapter of Romans as we continue our study. And let me remind you that Paul is beginning the conclusion of the letter as we work through the rest of chapter 15. And last week, we studied verse 14, and in verse 14, we discovered that the Romans exhibited the characteristics of a healthy church. And you see it in verse 14, and you see three points that Paul makes regarding the church of Rome. The first one was was that they were full of goodness. In other words, that they pursued holiness. The second is, is that they were filled with all knowledge, that they had a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrinal truths that are found in the Bible. The last one, is that they were able to admonish one another. They instructed, they encouraged one another. And that leads us to our passage this morning, which is the 15th and the 16th verse. And if you look at verses 15 and 16, this is what Paul writes. He said, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. If you remember in our study that the Roman church is composed of both Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles who have placed their life and their faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in these verses, we see that Paul is reminding the church that he has a special ministry in reaching out to the Gentile people. That's us. And he said, this this is my ministry. And in reminding the church that he has this special ministry, we see some very important points for us as we live out our life for Christ. And I think that the Christian Standard Version, I like the wording of it on these verses, so I want to read the same verses to you in the Christian Standard Version. It says, Nevertheless, I have written 
to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest to the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So you have this image that Paul is performing priestly duties in reaching out to the Gentile people, in bringing Gentiles to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's presenting the Gentile people to God. And this idea of being an offering of God, that you and I are an offering to God, is a very important point as we live out our lives today. Now, this isn't an isolated idea in the New Testament. And in fact, earlier in Romans, in Romans chapter 12, you see this idea of an offering in verses 1 and 2. And Paul said in Romans 12, starting in verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there you see this idea of us giving ourselves as an offering. Paul personally, at the close of his life, describes his life as an offering as he writes Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 6, Paul said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul knew that he would be martyred for his faith. And he said, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. He knew that his life was an offering to God. But this isn't just limited to Paul's letters. Peter, in describing Christians in the church in general, in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4, Peter writes, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also. So he's referring to Christ, but then he says in verse 4, and you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ And there in that verse, let me emphasize that word, spiritual. Spiritual sacrifices. So, Paul describing you and I 
as an offering to God isn't unusual in the New Testament. And in fact, if you look back at our focal passage, he elaborates on this idea. Let's go back to our focal passage, Romans 15, and look at verse 16. And he says that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering to the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable. That the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable. Well, if you have an acceptable offering, it also means that you could have an unacceptable offering. That you could be unacceptable. And this isn't unusual in the Bible. And in fact, I think the most famous example of an unacceptable offering can be found in Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10, starting in verse 1, as we see Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, offer an unacceptable offering. If you look in verse 1, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. They gave an inappropriate gift. This just wasn't a misunderstanding. If you think about pagan gods, a pagan god's mind is not discernible. In other words, you saw that in Hollywood with movies too. You go up to the offering and you hope, you hope that your offering to the pagan god is acceptable. Not so much with the true God. If you think about the Old Testament, the Old Testament is extremely specific, extremely specific in what God tells the Hebrews what would be an acceptable, an acceptable offering. There's no guesswork to it. And I remember when We were in Israel and we went to Shiloh where the tabernacle dwelt before Jerusalem for hundreds of years. And there's a Texan there doing archaeological dig. And lo and behold, the dimensions there at Shiloh are the exact dimensions that the Lord tells the Hebrews in the building of the tabernacle. In the tent. Exactly. He told them, this is what I will find acceptable. There's no guesswork. And Aaron's sons offered up an unacceptable offering. And as you can see, that did not really work out well for them. Which brings us to a very important question. He says that we might be acceptable. 
Now, we could approach this with trial and error. And in fact, if you and I were going to go out and door knock today and say, why would God let you into his heaven? You'd hear all kinds of responses in which people would define their acceptability to God. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stolen anything. I think I've done more good than bad. The Bible isn't ambiguous. There is a specific teaching of what is acceptable. And you see that here in our focal passage. In verse 16 again of Romans 15, I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Spirit. Sanctified by the Spirit. That determines whether or not you and I are acceptable before a holy and righteous God. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, you see where the writer of Hebrews brings up the Old Testament and contrasts it with the New Testament. And there we see that we are accepted through the Lord Jesus Christ in the work of his spirit. Hebrews 10 verse 11, it says, In every priest, referring to the Old Testament, stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, referring to Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is a remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. In other words, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you and I are regenerated. We're regenerated. Well, what does that mean? It means that we're made new. We're made new. And just as in the Old Testament system, the priests were offering up an animal sacrifice. And it says that they could never take away sins. The Bible says that those were just a foreshadow of Christ. But you and I are made holy. Now, in the Old Testament system, if you think about it, if the Old Testament system was a foreshadow of Christ. Do we know what an acceptable sacrifice was in the Old Testament system? We do, don't we? One, you brought something without blemish. It was your best. And God found this acceptable. He gave a clear instruction on this is what is an acceptable animal to be offered to me. Now, let's think about that in New Testament terms. If I know that holiness is acceptable, doesn't it make sense that an acceptable offering 
that Paul is referring to, us Gentiles, that an acceptable offering is a person who has been regenerated. And when you think about this idea of regeneration and you look at Hebrews 10, and in verse 16 it says, This was the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In other words, we're transformed. We're transformed to where we look at life differently. That we don't look at life as a lost person. We look at life in the context of the teachings and truths of God. This is our life. Turn with me to 1 Peter 1 in verse 2 as Peter is writing his letter. He's, he's writing to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience. For obedience in the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we think about being sanctified, the moment you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you are justified. You're justified. In other words, you're acceptable by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can call that positional. You could even call that positional sanctification. Is that you and I are declared righteous. We're declared acceptable. Not because of anything that we've done, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Think about the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, did he have any chance to do good works or to live a holy life while he was on the cross? No. But Christ said that he would be with him in paradise. He was declared holy because he believed that Jesus was the Christ. Same thing with us. If I had accepted Jesus Christ and then died a moment later, I would be in the presence of God. You would be in the presence of God. But there's very few people that live that life, right? That, that have that deathbed conversion, if you will. Most of us. We profess the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we live years, decades, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I could look, and you could look at your life as acceptable just through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are acceptable through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we were saved for obedience. Look back at 1 Peter 1. It says, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience. For obedience. So in this context of you and I being an offering, if you look at your life and you say to yourself, I am to be an offering, an offering to God. We know what's acceptable, don't we? 
there's not any confusion on what God deems acceptable. And that is where we are living our life according to the teachings and truths of Jesus Christ. And we can just be surfaced with that. We could say that, oh yes, I'm going to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. But then when we start digging down into every aspect of our life and say, am I living my life to be an acceptable offering? That's where it gets a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? Earlier this week, I was a little bit aggravated at somebody. And in my flesh, I wanted to just write this seething email. I had it all worked out in my head. So I was just going to write this horrible email. And then I got to thinking, am I really being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? If I write in my flesh what I wanted to say. And that answer was no. I still wrote an email. I still wrote the truth. It was just nice. Nicer. That's how we have to live. To be an offering. Is every single thing that we do, we have to put it within the context of the teaching and truth of Jesus Christ. Am I glorifying Christ? Whatever you're about to do, whatever you're about to do, am I glorifying Christ in my actions? Through that, you and I have the peace and contentment that's offered to us by living that life in Christ. I'll tell you, whatever you give up, God will replace it with so much more. And when we get to that end of the time, like Paul, don't you want to be able to say, after he wrote, I am being poured out as a drink offering, don't you want to say that you finished the race? That you fought the fight. Because as we look at our life at the end, that's really all that matters, isn't it? As we recognize that you and I are going to one day meet the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. And you want to be able to say, I strove to live a life for Christ. That's just not a preacher thing. That's not a preacher thing. And in fact, I would argue that one of the problems that we have in Christian society today is that people have just said, that's a preacher thing. It's not. That's an all of us thing. To who you and I look at our life each individually and say, God saved me. God saved me. So that I might be obedient to him. That I might glorify him. That I might be a witness for him. We are being overwhelmed in society today due to social media 
with all of the ugliness, with all of the ugliness of society. You can see it if you look at TikTok, if you look at Reels, if you look at Instagram, if you look at anything on the computer. We are being overwhelmed with the message of darkness. But we're to stand up to that, aren't we? We are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, well, if I do that, I I may offend some of my friends. Well, they're really not your friends if they're being offended by the message of the gospel. But even if they are, and you suffer the loss of a friendship, or you suffer the loss of a family member, did Christ tell us that that was possible? He absolutely did. We are an offering. Now, if you are an offering, it means that there's a sacrifice involved. And you may have to give something up. But just as Paul said, there is a crown laid up for him. See, God is not only a merciful God, but he also, when we get to heaven, there will be rewards for any suffering that you and I have endured here on earth. But we have to be an offering. And I think as we look at these verses and we see Paul's ministry and how he lived his life and what his desire was, was that Gentiles would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they would be an offering to God. You and I should live our life with that truth and ask ourselves every day, am I living my life as an offering to Jesus Christ? Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you for your word. And I pray that each of us might evaluate our life and ask ourselves that question. I pray, Lord, that we'd take an inventory and look at our life and ask ourselves, am I being an offering, an acceptable offering? I pray, Lord, that we might proclaim your truth to a world that does not know you. I pray, Lord, that we would stand firm and bold, regardless of the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.